0: Green Left Weekly Radio. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests, and that's Green Left Weekly. It's the people's
1: voice
2: committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability,
0: democracy and equality. It presents ideas mainstream media want. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world
1: around us.
2: And good morning listeners, this is Green Left Weekly Radio, back, back on air again, and a Happy New Year to everyone who's listening. Uh, In the studio, we have Mary Merknich. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Yes, and and Mary has been um, in the studio in the past when Bill used to be alive, and she's back again doing some um, work for us. And um, this is Lalita Chalaya here at the uh, control panel, I suppose you can say. Um, Hope you all had a good New Year. And we are back into the political arena again. Now, but before we start, um, I want to pay respects. Our respects to the um, traditional owners of the land. Um, this land was never ceded. It always is and always will be uh, Aboriginal land. And respects go to um, the elders of the community of the Kulin Nation. Okay, what's news, Mary?
3: What's news? Well, they're talking about don't trust Kim Misal Lul. That's quite a few politicians around the world, including our own uh, Prime Minister. I find this quite interesting that um, people are so negative about what's going on. While I have no love for North Korea or the North Korean president, I still think it's interesting when something positive happens that everyone jumps on the negative bandwagon instead of perhaps encouraging something positive so that we move further away from the threat of nuclear disaster.
2: Mm. Wow. (laughs) That is an ongoing saga, isn't it? Uh, The problem is we, 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 we have two men, supposedly, who are totally unreliable, mentally and otherwise, and this political saga that's going on is someone said, just pull on the table and measure it. It's not that difficult to solve the problem. The two men, and um, this is, you know, it, it may sound a bit male-oriented, but that's what it seems to come down to. But the reality is the, the, the capitalist class of um, the U.S. is um, really trying to um, push this barrel. I think they want a war so that they can solve the elements. Okay, can you hear me? That's better. There's something wrong with the white uh, Apologies, listeners. That was a bit... Um,
3: okay.
2: Okay, um, now, yeah, I wasn't news. focusing. Yes. The
3: other yes. news item that I find interesting, well, there's lots but is uh, the heading in, what is it, the Australian, that says, Union PR job lined up for departing dastiari. Oh, God, yeah. So, um, <laughs> it looks like, you know, he's, he's okay. He's not going to be unemployed, like of course not.
2: many others. I don't know how long he's been in Parliament, but I'm sure he'll be receiving his parliamentary pension, so to speak. They are very well maintained after they leave Parliament. All of them. Cost millions to maintain the, the retired parliamentarians. They have secretaries, they've got cars, they've got office space, all sorts of stuff. It's just annoys me. But the other headline you might see is that a talk of unemployment. Apparently there's less in unemployment than now than before. Which I find really, really um, frustrating because it's a constant, almost a campaign footing by the newspapers to um, promote this government's um, work. But I was reading another magazine, and they're questioning all these numbers the ABS is throwing out. And we know the statistics, you know, run by the ABS is always, always um, dicey. It's, it's, it's not a question of independence, as you always said, they independent body, but it's not. It's run by the government for the government, and you try and fudge over the figures as, um, as if there's. Um, Everything is hunky-dory and wonderful. For example, the Roy Morgan statistics say in this article, they say that um, 2,394 2, million people in November were underemployed or unemployed. That's 18.2%. And yet the ABS says is 5.4%. Unemployment is just 5.4%. So it's just ridiculous. The the difference in, in figures is um, overwhelming. And the unemployment figure by itself is 9.8 and ABS has 5.4. But the ABS ignores the underemployed figures. That's the problem. So we have some huge differences in the way the unemployment figures are presented by the ABS for the benefit of the government. And it's very, very frustrating to try and get the real figures what we see on the streets is very different. What we see around us is very different. What do you think?
3: Well, it, it's, it's not just how the figures are presented to cover up the reality. It's also that very little or very few p- p- people apart from unions talk about casualization of work. Mm. I think that's a really, really big issue because that undermines the abilities of workers to fight back and to improve their conditions and to make um, certain that things such as health and safety is um, laws are strengthened and health and safety issues um, are fought for. If you if you're in a casual position, you feel really insecure and you feel like you have to keep your head down. You can't say anything. You can't um, demand your rights, etc. So, you know, apart from those figures you've just been talking about and how they may not be accurate, that issue of casualisation. Is really um, it's a big issue, and, and yeah. ABS doesn't
2: seem to worry too much about the actual figures around that. But the campaign's always on the figures, though. So that's that's a problem. You know, you you bring up these numbers in every media, whether it's TV or radio, they go on and on and on about the figures, never looking at the real impact of of the unemployment underemployment um, on the ground. is is very frustrating. Mm. But anyway. Um, now, the other thing that I, I, I sort of picked up, uh, just before I go on, I just apologies there. The, again, it was a mic thing. I've just, I think I've just fixed it so we can actually hear you, Mary, properly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, Sorry about that.
3: Maybe you didn't want me to be heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how
2: sinister. <laughs> um, so it's very really interesting. And just moving on to the... Environment issue. Um, oh
3: God! Yes, the weather <laughs> has put this <laughs> forefront, hasn't it? Or it should be. It's
2: 42 degrees today. People, just stay indoors with the aircon on if you can. At least fan on. Well, it's pretty awful. If Lots you're of water. In some
3: parts of Victoria, it's it's mid 40s. It's not just 42. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I know whenever they say 42 on the the weather forecast where I live in um, the northeast, it often gets warmer there mm. and that's not that far you know so mm. uh sit
2: in the bath that's what i reckon well
3: you know i know this might sound really <laughs> soppy and, and whatever but i always worry about the animals yes um there were reports last time we had a, a heat wave in i think it was in new south wales that flying foxes were falling dead mm. from the sky mm. so mm. uh so hot. it's just horrible
2: they'll singe they, in the heat
3: yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. where do they have to go to cool off? Yeah, it's funny enough they
2: only hang around in. Well, they come out at night. They don't. You don't see them during the day. Night's always cooler. Yeah, and they're the pretty animals. Usually pretty smart. They go under the trees, which is very cooling. But anyway, for for the humans, they need to keep cool. Otherwise, you're going to have some old people and they're homeless. What are they going to do? Mm. It's just heartbreaking to just think about that. But. Moving beyond that, there's, there's this issue in Queensland about the Adani campaign. Oh, yes. Um, now, the Queensland government is, is to meet um, in the next few days about a loan they are supposed to veto for the Adani campaign. Now, the problem here is...
3: Veto Lali as in what? Veto no or veto yes to the loan?
2: Veto no. Okay. And um, they were supposed to meet to discuss... This, this is... The, the, it, it's a sort of a... Um, a real crooked deal, actually. They are supposed to veto alone negatively uh, from Northern Australia infrastructure facility. In brief, is called NaiF. N-A-I-F. Now, NaiF is um, is company uh, to a company called uh, Orizon. So, NaiF is going to fund Orizon to build a rail line for Adani to transport his coal because initially he asked the government directly and they said yes, and then i said no, but now they're doing a furphy and they, is asking the Northern Australian Infrastructure Facility to fund his railway line, and Queensland Cabinet is due to vote on it this week.
3: And this knife is funded by the taxpayer? Of course. Ah, I so that's interesting, isn't it? The, the, the
2: The Aurizon A U R I Z O and huge coal freighting company, and they've applied for a massive taxpayer funded loan, as you mentioned, to build the line for Adani. Mm. And Palashank, Premier Palashank, has vetoed the $1 million loan to Adani, but not from Norizon.
3: Yeah, well, this not is the backdoor back way to get through what you That's had right. planned to do all along, really, isn't it? They only changed their stance to saying they would veto it, as in oppose it, uh, due to public pressure and the, uh, the state elections that she had to fight. That's right. So now that she's won, we have some... Back doorways to, Real to, get, shenanigans to it Going it through. Yeah. yeah. So if Orizon gets his
2: loan and Adani gets his railway line, we're back on the back foot again. So the campaign.
3: Ha- do you think if I asked her to build a railway line from my house to my workplace so that I could get there, she'd do it? No, wrong state, darling. Ah. <laughs> so it's only the issue of which state I'm in. That's or, right. or maybe because I'm not a major. <laughs> you know, is more than that. <laughs> Okay, so
2: we have this major issue. So people who are interested and have been campaigning around or against Adani need to pay, to pay attention to this because I picked this up in, in the internet the other day just browsing through a What's happening with Adani and where was it going to go now that almost every source of um, funding has been frozen, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Um, so Aruzan is uh, trying to secure public funds to build up momentum. So... All those um, environmentalists or people who, who are against this freight line, against the destruction of the barrier reef, really, need to look at this campaign and see what the hell's going on. Or I'll spell out the name of the company again. It's A-U-R-I-Z-O-N. So look out for this. And the Horizon um, is supposedly have, well, this, they, they have applied to the North Australian Northern Australia infrastructure facility, which I didn't know existed. There were all sorts of funny um, organisations that seem to creep in to to help these these very rich people out when they need them from behind the curtains. Okay, let's go on to um, some music while I get the interview. Get the interview, and we've got actually um, some discussions on the Sudanese um, so-called gangs with people in the community and we also have um a discussion on the um Kurdish uh, issue where Turkey has or oh, already started to attack the YPG um and the other issue is the one you were you were organizing Mary
3: yes on the, the
2: northeast proposed link now we have on the line um Anas Alwakil who is from Sudan and he's a commu- community activist And we're going to talk about, I guess, the ongoing saga or discussion about the so-called African gangs. So welcome to 3CR, Anas.
4: good morning. Good morning, Anas.
2: Thank you for, for being available to talk to us. And you've been um, active in the this community for a long time. You you want to talk about the politics of this, the the way it's been presented here and what's happening. Um, What would you like to say? What's the political background to this whole thing? Uh,
4: uh, Look, um, I think um, this has been, as you introduced it uh, rightly, this has been going on for a long time. And uh, we we saw this... uh, used again and again by uh, politicians um uh, uh, when they when they needed um um you know uh, an issue that, like that to to serve a political purpose and um, i think it happened um um previously uh, uh during our government uh, when the, um, the immigration minister um uh, said that uh, the sudanese community is not integrating well uh into the uh, in society, and they are not um, uh, progressing well in terms of, you know, the, the in terms of, you know, employment and education and things like that, and even. And, and, um.
2: Okay, sorry, about the listeners. Um, hopefully, this line's a bit clearer. Clearer. Um, uh, apologies for that. Let's hope the line's clearer. So, you were you're saying about the uh, the politicization of this issue
4: yes yeah and and i think it's 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 important uh, uh, that, uh especially to our community you know and to the african community in general uh because uh, people start to self peat uh, themselves and I think that um, um what is reported in the media is um, actually true uh, uh but uh, in 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 fact um yeah, we uh, let me let me start say that yeah, there is there is a, there is a problem, you know, and maybe African youth or Sudanese youth or whatever you want to call them, they are struggling. But um, is this um, a crime wave? Is this is uh, a race uh, crime relationship, it's not. This is a this is a problem that has social, economic roots, and we need to explore those roots, and we we need to. Explore the, the the causes of this problem. Um, I lived um, in uh, Reservoir, uh, northern Quebec, for a long time, and there was a lot of youth, Sudanese youth, around uh, at that time, around 2007, 2008, and I saw lots of I saw that I saw this problem coming up because of so many factors. I can go through them, you know. Um, Let's just start with with, with the police. Him, uh, the police. Um, when I was uh, living in that area, um, Sudanese so the used used to say that there is a problem. You know, the police is targeting them. The police is racially profiling, and using discriminatory practices against them. And 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 this is uh, for a teenager who is 14, 15 to be targeted by by uh, an institution like uh, the. Victorian police, it's, it's a significant thing. That will change his life. But um, that, 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 I think that's, that's the issue here. That, that's one of the issues that we need to talk about. You know, do, are we pushing those uh, young people instead of supporting them, pushing them towards crimes, towards um, uh, gangs, towards marginalization? Or are we supporting them? Mm. Let's talk about the schooling system, for example. You know, we, we, I saw the schooling system, for example, selling those kids many times because they came from um, a background where they did not have access to school. They came here, they moved to uh, areas where the, uh, the schools are not well-resourced. We all know there is a problem here with, with, within that uh, schooling system, the education system the funding model. Uh, there is, this is are the political issues that the government does not want my community to talk about. Whether mm-hmm. they have access to resources, whether their kids have access to opportunities, to education, to employment, to uh, recreation, to things like that. They, they want us to talk about whether we are the problem. And I always say to, to uh, my fellow Sudanese, um, if we follow that discussion, this is, will lead us back to the to the... When people were using, you know, the intelligence biology framework, you know, where, where they are saying that African has uh, African uh, have uh, lower IQ than 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 white, and maybe that lower IQ is linked. Even the, the people the, there is um, um, a, a theory talk about why African American commit more crimes
1: hmm.
4: because of their lower IQ, you know. Uh, and if you, you you follow that path. Um, follow the path of linking crimes to ethnicity, that will lead to devastating you know discussion that mm. will impact further on our our, our youth and, mm. and, and children mm.
2: okay mary 's got a question for you
3: no yep. wasn't, it wasn 't a question I was going to comment. I was going to um, say that the the point you made about police targeting someone say fourteen years old would obviously mm. lead to that young person feeling angry, confused, helpless, but then also um, the anger might turn to retaliation or to feeling of, well, if we're going to be targeted and no one's helping us, then um, bad behavior is excusable. Is, would you agree that that's the kind of um, scenario that might result?
5: Yeah, look, I, I agree that, you
4: know, there, there is, a, look, you see anger among young people anyway. In any any culture, in any in any ethnicity, you know, and and if you talk talk about youth in general in Australia or regional areas, you you will see them, you know, you see that they are disadvantaged by lots of political uh, and specifically economic changes that happen in, in 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 Australia, you know, like lack of opportunities, lack of employment, things like that, you know, and and access to to um well founded education system you know you'll you see that among poorer, um communities who live within the city and you you see that with, within uh, regional cities as well you know and 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 now we're talking about drugs uh, epidemic you
1: know
4: among young people why is that there is there is social there is economic causes to that you know
1: yeah. Well. Um, uh,
4: so the anger, the anger, the anger is, is 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 there, you know, and and not only because the police is one factor, but uh, in general, in general, uh, I I just wanna remind the listeners that we Sudanese when we came here we are highly visible, you know, like when you walk in the street, you know, like when Sudanese came here there was the the, the African community was so small here, you know, the, there was no people of you know that look like us you know yes so when those young people walk into any shopping center or anywhere they are highly visible you know they attract attention
1: yeah
4: because of the color of their skin you know and on top of that that, that attention is annoying and that attention is is um will fuel some um, as you said negative feelings you know but on top of that, it comes, you know, the, the racial profiling, the discrimination that they face, not only by uh, by the police, by but maybe in the, within the school, maybe within you know services they access, maybe within the recreational activities they access, you know, and and definitely mm-hmm. that leads to marginalisation and to anger and 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 and, and, on, and the other thing that I want to talk about is family, you know, families were driven apart. By by uh, what I would call bad intervention, you know, by by the social services. So there is so, so many factors. I think we need more than twenty minutes to to to, uh, to explore the causes of what's happening now, and how to address it.
3: Can you, you know? can you expand a bit more about what that last point you made? Families being driven apart.
4: Yeah. So um, what, see, the I'm from a community that value, you know, um you know collective you know um, gathering you know they 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 collective actions they value family you know they they value being together you know and and one thing that i have uh, I've noticed you know that when people arrive here because of the the pressure of the settlement process you know and because um you come from um, a societies where you have very little, but you have so many so much support by others around you you stay you stay you stay, you stay, you stay, you stay you stay strong you know and, and you keep going and uh, for the sake of your family for the sake of your community you come mm-hmm. here to this um, individualized uh, community where support is accessed through services, not through the community, and that's a big changing uh, point for 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 i think Sudanese community or african community or any collective you know community you know and then those intervention uh, those social services i think they they are some stage you know they, they they did a big mistake in not addressing the causes of the issues you know that like is uh, not working with this community to prevent problems they waited for those problems to occur and then they intervened and those interventions uh, led to um, you know separation between uh, the w- women and men, you know the wife and the husband, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
4: and and as some mistake in, in the Sudanese communities, there is lots of men who return back to Sudan, you know, because they, they saw that you know the, the they cannot hold their family together, you know, yeah. and also and that that feeling that feeling uh, is so is so um, harmful, you know, it it led to. Lots of problems, you know, and, and, and the kids will experience that as well, you know, like when you come to the home, there is issues within the home, you know, and, and when you go out of out the street, there is issues as well. So where do you go, you know?
2: Yeah, that's such an important point because when kids are not supported and they're bored, they're not engaged, they will then engage in risky behavior. uh, And that applies to any teenager or young people, um, regardless of race, because that's what teenagers' hormonal periods in their life does to them. So anyway... Um, thanks, Anas. Um, sorry about the phone thing. Something was wrong there. I don't know what it is. But no, that's all right. We will talk a, uh, talk again when this comes up. Maybe he wants to say something.
3: No, no. I was going to say maybe it's the NBN.
4: <laughs> 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 okay. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay. Thanks a lot, Anas, and have a good day.
4: Um, no, thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. You.
3: Bye. Bye. So it's seven thirty-four at three CR. What's next, Lali? Okay, um, there's another interview lined
2: up. As you know, there's a, a, a threat, or actually it's happening. Turkey is attacking the Turkish communities in, um, what well, the YPG in, is, the, in, Kurds, in, yeah. the Kurds in um, the Turkey and the border of Syria. So I'm going to try and get uh, Mehmet, who's offered to talk about it online. Okay, welcome back, listeners. And we've got uh, Mehmet from the Kurdish community on the line to talk to us about this attack that's happening um, right now in Turkey against the Kurdish people. Good morning, Mehmud, uh, and welcome to 3CR. Good morning. Good, good m- morning. Good
6: morning to everyone.
2: And this may read here too. Um, so tell us, I know the, the, the attacks have started. What what What's going on here?
6: Look, uh, uh, the t- Turkish, unfortunately, main aim to destroy any Kurdish gain, wherever it is. Uh, they just want to uh, destroy the, establishment of uh, Rojava, which is, uh, I think, secular, multicultural uh, uh, place, northern Syria. Therefore, this time, they uh, targeting Afrin, a uh, Kurdish town, which is populated about 4, uh, 4, 4, 400,000 people, including other ethnic groups as well. And last week, uh, Turkish President Erdogan he wrote, he said that they're going to destroy um, Afrin, they're going to attack Afrin any time. And since then, uh, Turkish army from the north and from uh, the south, uh, those groups, radicalism groups who cooperate with Turkey from the area, they're shelling uh, uh, the Afrin city. And any time Turkish army can enter there, if they, we believe if they get uh, permission from Russia or from USA.
2: Now, Afrin is in, in, in Turkey or in um, Syria?
6: Afrin is, uh, is a, a northern Syrian town which is close to the Turkish border.
3: Can you explain um, why, what's, what, what are Erdogan's motives? Why does he want to destroy any T- Kurdish gains and, and in particular this town of Afrin? Uh,
6: look, it's so simple but probably uh, would sometimes hard to explain to the people. It's hatred racism and not accepting reality of existence of Kurds and rights of the Kurds and other ethnic groups uh, they want in Turkey or whoever in, living in Turkey because there is millions of Kurds in Turkey they should accept Turkish identity or they should be destroyed this is so simple uh, they said hard to explain sometimes I talk with my Australian friends. They, they, they can't understand how in this century Someone can be this much racist, but he is He is a fundamentalist, religious and racist person. And unfortunately, since the establishment of Turkish state, 1923, uh, their policy based on Turkification of all all uh, minorities and ethnic groups.
3: Is it also tied up with the fact that... The, um the Kurdish political organisations are extremely progressive and um, having a state like, or a, a, a city like Rojava just on their border or near to, to them is an example maybe to the yes, Turkish working yes, class? Yes, Look,
6: of, course, of course, this is also the other, other, other reason because they want such a uh, system or such a, uh, authoritarian regimes, not only Turkey, even Iraq, Iran, Syria or... Or international powers like USA or Russia, uh, even now they seem to close the curse or some kind of relation. But they don't want any real democracy existing or exploring in Middle East or any part of the world to be example for other people to follow up. In Rojava, they establishing um, grassroots democracy, and it's it's working. But they don't want such a system exist. If such a system exists and extend, it's gonna threat. It's gonna be threat for their authoritarian um, uh, regimes. They don't. Uh, Turkey also. They don't want uh, this kind of uh, real democracy exist anywhere near Turkey.
2: And do you think this particular incident now is been provoked because um, Trump has offered to help the Kurdish community?
6: Look. Uh, I don't know what Trump really is saying. Or his <laughs> USA said they want to establish uh, the army which can protect uh, the border. But there is already last three years uh, Kurdish forces or uh, Syrian Democratic Forces. They uh, they already uh, established themselves and they are already uh, 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 patrolling or, pro- uh, or protecting or, or the border or between Syria and, and Turkey. Yeah. I don't know why he said this. And also. Um, the uh, U.S. Uh, foreign Minister, Tillerson, his, uh, or, or Secretary, sorry, he said, oh, Kurds have some uh, military gain, but it doesn't mean they're going to have some political gain. Uh, it, it's not guaranteed that. I mean, U- USA, uh, we don't really uh, uh, trust. So what, what Trump says, uh, I mean, is it's yeah, This is
2: hard to believe that he, will, he even wants to, to help the Kurds. But now the other thing I is. I don't think so. Yeah, you're organizing a protest uh, tomorrow morning. You want to give us the details of that? Um, um... Yes,
6: uh, t- tomorrow at uh, one o'clock in front of State Library, Kurdish community and its friends, and organizing protest, a demonstration to protest Turkish state aggression and attack uh, on Afrin. I think this is is very important. If you want uh, act now, if you want uh, awareness now, and uh, tomorrow can be too late. I mean, this is especially Erdogan is is a dictator. He, it can do anything uh, as as long as, or as soon as, or Russia or USA uh, keep silence or say yes. I mean, it can destroy whole uh, community, whole town, and, and which can cause life of many many uh, civilians. Therefore, it's very important. We hope our Australian friends also can come join with us uh, tomorrow. 1 p.m. at State Library. At the
2: State Library. Okay, thank you very much yeah. for being available. Thank uh, you. Mehmet. Thanks for having me.
6: Thank, thank you. you.
3: Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Okay, we have um, Nawal on the phone. Um, she's also from the Sudanese community, and she wanted to talk about um, the community response to um, the attacks by the Turnbull uh, government on the Sudanese youth, and especially Dutton, of course. And how they have been coping. Now, Nawal is a health economist, a social worker and a women's advocate working in the community.
3: Good morning. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Morning, Nawal. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Sorry about <laughs> that. It's been, been a bit no worries. Of a, we've had uh, multiple interviews, so we're running back and
2: forth between the two studios. Uh, okay. No um, okay, now we um, have uh, actually introduced, so I'll do it again. Now, Nawal um, is a health economist, a social worker, and a women's advocate and works in the Sudanese community. Now, we thought we will take an approach of how do you feel the community is responding to these attacks by the government on the, on the Sudanese youth?
5: Yeah, the Sudanese community groups and individuals across Victoria, now we're working closely uh, trying to understand and address the concerns with the Sudanese community cultural practices and parenting, policing practice, youth and child programs. Uh, we're trying to create a program that can help parents and caregivers using family-centered approach and uh, maybe it is likely to help tackle some of the Sudanese parent challenges in Australia and we also consider the parent's rights in the process of what is significant for the children the parent challenge is uh, insufficient understanding of the new legal, social and cultural environment, accessing support services.
2: Do you think that the parents have a problem when they arrive in Australia to to manage parenting the young people?
5: Yes, Um, many of Sudanese have experienced significant difficulties in adjusting to their new lives in Australia. Mm.
1: Uh,
5: But the media profiling has been the more challenge and factor alienating the community. Mm. Um, racial profiling has caused real harm to innocent people Mm. and um, of course migrants to a new country and culture may sound exciting and full of prospect and hope for many refugee families who Mm. have gone through rough and harsh living uh, conditions (laughs) in refugee camps Um, of course they have high expectation about opportunities for Mm. resettling
3: into a new home Yeah. Noel well,
5: yeah.
3: um, uh, the earlier speaker Anas um, from your community also mentioned that he felt that families were being um, often um, under, were split apart I think was, was what he said because of the way that um, the service providers were assisting families were, were really not assisting families they were actually putting pressure on families which Then led to um, families being torn apart. Is that your impression and can you elaborate about that?
5: Yes. Yes, I think um, it's just all about settlement, you know, it's just all about settlement because those people, um, most of them, went through a very bad time in their lives um, in refugee camps, so they need special, they have special needs like. yeah, they went through trauma. So we need just to find um, balance, you know, between parents and the new um, generation that are born in Australia. Mm. So, yeah, there is a very big gap between these generations. So we need just to bridge this gap. Uh, we need to work work hard in this area between parenting uh, support and the youth support. So we have... As a community, we have to work in, in, uh, in these two areas, the youth and parents, is it, all is it together also, in the same
3: time. Is it also to do with, um, I think I got this impression from Anas from what he said, but I might, might be incorrect, that um, the way that the services um, intervened meant that they were eroding the community Support. So that traditionally in African communities, as it used to be years ago in all communities probably, the community helps um, individual families. It's not just an individual family that's struggling um, with uh, raising their children, but because that becomes eroded in the context of how things are happening here in Australia, um, that
5: exacerbates the problem. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Um uh I think it's um very complicated for those people here in Australia. Um as a refugee. They are very new arrivals to Australia, maybe the latest migrants to Australia, the African communities and Sudanese communities. Um so we need just uh to these issues to be understood based on level of education, obtain obtained of their previous countries of origin and time spent uh, in refugee camps and types of services provided to these particular camps. Services providers need to improve their delivery services in areas um, of employment and racism and discrimination. They're facing social isolation and um, Uh, Yeah, there's also need to create culture-appropriate services to help communities Mm, to mm. address trauma-related issues and settlement issues. So a lot of these
3: services probably um, have not been um, educated in how to deal with um, the African community and so maybe uh, they're not well prepared to help.
5: Yeah. Yes, I think, uh, we can't just, uh, provide services. We are regardless to their background and the uh, trauma that they faced in their previous experience back home or in the, ba- in the camps that they were living. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we need to, to get involved with all this culture and, yeah, these issues. It's really important. So yeah. if we need to help these people or this community, to be settled in this um, new environment, or new community. So we need to take it seriously. Like this government uh, will settle the refugee uh, community groups into mainstream community. Mm. Uh, um, we need this uh, settlement can be successful when there is a strong connection between refugee community groups and local community groups. Yes. Therefore, it's a vital refugee community groups are helped through the connection with local services and local people. Yep. And we need to create awareness and educate the local community to yes. avoid some transitions mm. and prejudicial ideas of why refugee families are settled in this particular local area. Yep. There's also need to inform the local community to accept refugee family in their neighbor centers, schools, workplace without discrimination and negative stereotypes. Yes, yes.
3: So all the media um, plays a very important role and at the moment it's playing a very negative role. It's actually reinforcing racism. Profile and
5: har- harassing young Sudanese men. Mm-hmm. Yes, like um, regardless their background. Their, we need just to understand um how these people were living and... Um, What is the real challenge in Australia? It's really very complicated.
2: Yes, I also noticed that people tend to uh, um, refer to them on block as Africans with no acknowledgement of the fact that there are so many countries in Africa. Yes, There's Somalia, the Eritreans, there are all sorts yes. of different countries from hard. which people come from and they all have different cultures yes. and they speak different the, languages. <laughs>
5: yes, the funny thing here in Syria, like, I, I said, like um, for the last three years, I've been here for three years now. Mm-hmm. So many people think Africa is one country, like <laughs> like Australia, because Australia is a one continent and one country. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So they think Africa is one country. Most of them they ask me, "Are you African?" I say, "Yes." <laughs> they say, "Are you speak African?" I say, "Yes. I'm from Sudan. <laughs> I speak this blah blah blah." So it's just I think misunderstanding about the culture and about yeah because um. All of this because African is, I think,
3: it's new
2: migrant to mm, No, It's a lack so, of geographical knowledge. <laughs> yes, I education. think. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, yeah.
3: as I said just a few minutes ago, the media absolutely doesn't do anything to educate people no. about that, does it? it no, just, but, even schools, yes. what do they teach school kids? <laughs> I mean, you're a teacher, Mary. They're well, sure. I, I teach them German, so it's got nothing to do with this <laughs> issue. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, I mean, it's the, sc- uh, the school curriculum is crowded as it is, right? but maybe it's not crowded with the things it should be crowded with. Yeah. And yeah. that's not the fault of teachers, that's obviously the powers that be that determine what no, we're, we're allowed to, to teach and right. what we're not allowed to teach. As, as you
2: say, Nawal, it's very complicated, isn't it? It's education of yes. both communities, not just one community. Yes, yes. It has to be a bilateral thing. You, both yeah. communities want to accept this, the, the people who come from the various countries in Africa and also how do you support the, the communities that come from the various countries in Africa to transition into this community without being assimilated. And I I think that's what the thing is. They they expect the people from other countries to come here and immediately become Aussie. You know, barbecuing, it sausage It just happens sizzling, automatically. So you get, yeah.
3: you you just sort of uh, mystically gets you into transform. your brain how you become <laughs> an Aussie, whatever that. Is. Whatever that means. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So. so um,
2: would you say the women are at the forefront of um, this this project that you are looking at or various projects are involved in trying to help the the community hold together the young people yes hmm.
5: yes so now yeah we're trying to work all together to just get this um, youth especially youth um, involved in our programs yep and bring together a positive social culture to prevent forms of social isolation Mm. Uh, inspiring, independent, and uh, supporting young people towards the skills development, um, enhancing their participation and representation in the community and beyond. Mm. Yeah, Sounds that's great. All we need. Yeah, doing yeah, a mm-hmm. great job. And we then help Sudanese used to acclimatize to the new country.
2: Yes. And do you have a chance to go and talk to people, so called Australians, about? people from different African countries face when they come here as refugees. Like, Do you speak to um, the uh, non-African youth in schools? Do you get invited to speak in those arenas?
5: Actually, I'm working now with um, women empowerment communities, Mm -hmm. like trying to get some um, young uh, women leaders, in our communities, like African communities, to work all together, like to just raise their awareness about their rights and their, um, to help them to get an informed decision about their life. Mm. Uh, yeah, we're working all together, and we have um, African Women Council, like working together to get this goal.
2: Mm. Okay, thank you so much, Nawal. It's very cool. thank you for speaking thank with you us. Thank you so much. And it's thank good to hear the community's perspective of how they're coping. Okay, thank,
5: thank you.
7: you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Hi, my name is Paul. This is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome, and the food's great. Really healthy and nutritious.
6: <coughs>
0: Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience.
3: Three
0: CR supporter. Envious of the rich and powerful? Listen to three CR? Well this is your chance to get one back. Get a legal, legitimate tax deduction by donating to the Three CR radiophon now. Nine four one nine eight three double seven.
3: You're listening to Three C R. It's just one minute past eight. Uh, we just interviewed Noal about the problems um, relating to young people from different African um, communities in Australia. And I, I was reminded by a documentary I saw recently about the Easy Beats, the band. And in that documentary, it showed at the start when the uh, band members who are all from overseas migrated to Australia. Some were Dutch, some were... or well, one person was Scottish... How they were beaten up by Australians because Australians didn't want these foreigners coming to Australia. So I just thought, you know, this has been going on for ages, and you don't have to have a black skin to be targeted um, or, or, or made to made to feel unwelcome to come to Australia. Well, they didn't have that, uh, the, the
2: Greeks and Italians in the past to bash up. Oh, well,
3: <laughs> the, the Germans as well. Um, yeah. Lots of different communities. Oh. The Germans were called Nazis. The Japanese were called um, Japs, et cetera. So oh,
2: whatever, yeah. Yeah. I make up all these names. Uh, yeah. I, I hate to go through it on, on, on radio. Anyway, we move on to our regular um, item of um, announcements. So this is a uh, the Green Left Weekly activist calendar, and because we don't have a paper this week, um, we haven't been able to cover any of the political um, news that um, comes out in the paper. But next week we'll have a paper, so we'll have more of the news. Uh, now, <coughs> excuse me. Let me start with the Invasion Day, which is on the 26th of January. It's um, on the. Uh, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, uh, so let me start again. Calling all community and supporters to stand up with us on Invasion Day. Um, is the 80th anniversary of the first day of mourning protest called by William Cooper. Bring flowers to lay on the steps of Parliament. And it will be on the Parliament steps of Spring Street. Meet for lunch after... Um, at Ballot Narun Festival in the Treasury Garden. So there are two events. One is the actual, um, rally at Parliament House, and then they move on to the Treasury Gardens to have the Ballot Narun, um, festival. So all welcome, uh, and it's organized by the Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance. Do you want to make one, one announcement?
3: Uh, if you give me something
2: to... Re- oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> so we'll, we'll sort of take turns. Might be more interesting.
3: Yeah, definitely. So the Australian West Papua Association, or the AWPA, um, struggles against the Indonesian occupation of West Papua and against environmental destruction and resource theft. I don't actually see any kind of activity, but um, if you wanted more information, you can get in touch with them on their Facebook page at AWPA um, Facebook.
2: Yep, I'll give you another page with activities on it that might be easier for you. Oh, the Pride you.
3: March, of yes, course, that's coming we'll up talk on about that one. Yeah. Sunday, February the 11th. Yep. So we should all join together for, well, this one mentions Geelong's inaugural Pride March.
2: Yeah, there's just another. Sell- yeah, you finished that and I'll tell you the other one here.
3: Okay, just th- so that's going to begin at 10 am. Uh, people are asked to assemble at the little Mallop Street Mall and then march to Johnston Street Park for a barbecue. Barbecue, actually, and uh, Geelong Rainbow (laughs) Fest Picnic. So there's a Facebook page with those details as well if you live in or near Geelong. Okay, that's
2: Geelong. But here, the Pride March is actually on the 28th of uh, March on a Sunday at 2 p.m. So it's um, gather your friends and allies together and they will rejoice in in our diversity and achievements. And that is happening in Fitzroy Street, St. Kilda. So it's a, there's also a Facebook event for that. And the hashtag is #BeyondYes.
3: beyond yes. Um, oh, actually, I have found something to follow up for the Free West Papua campaign. Yep. They're having a uh, planning evening with Benny Wender. And I'm just looking for the dates. Um, the evening will also feature talks from Senator Richard Dina Tal, who obviously is the leader of the Australian Greens, uh, Moreland Councillor Sue Bolton, and both of them are long-time supporters of the rights of the Indigenous peoples of West Papua. So following these talks, there will be a Q&A session with other free West Papua campaign activists, um, Jacob Rumbiak and Ronnie Karina, West Papuan singing and dance performances, and West Papuan food to enjoy. This will all happen from 6:30 to 9 p.m. at the Brunswick Town Hall, which, if you don't know, is on the corner of Sydney Road and Dawson Street in Brunswick. Uh, RSVP to um, I don't know. Do we do we do these numbers on on Yeah, you can. Think. Okay. So the number to call is O four double six nine zero three double three nine or email Jemima emery Okay.
2: Okay, and there's um, some ongoing events that we need to mention. The SO um, strike is still on. The 200 SO UGL gas maintenance workers have been fighting for over 200 days to uh, today to stop massive pay cuts and anti-family roster being forced upon them. So you can follow what's happening on Facebook. Alternatively, you can donate to support their picket by transferring money to a Fair Pay Fighting Fund. And the uh, numbers are, the BSB is 633000. And there's hashtag one six zero five two five six two two, but you can also look on Facebook for details about how to donate or support this um, very courageous people who are fighting the um, attacks on workers. And there's a um, exhibition Saturday. Uh, That's tomorrow, 20th to Sunday evening. It's the book, Stories of Home and Having to Leave It, an installation and series of short performances created with people who have been forced to leave their homes in response to children's uh, questions about refugees. So it's 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on both days. It's at the museum, 400 Flinders Street. Um the other one is there is a memorial a commemoration on Saturday. Uh Tan and and Hina commemoration. Uh in nineteen eight sorry, in eighteen forty two two Indigenous freedom fighters um, Tana Minwaret and Melboy Hina were the first men executed in Victoria. Since 2004, both of them, uh, the commemoration for them, the committee for them, has worked towards building of a monument in Melbourne to mark this pivotal event. The Melbourne City Council um, had the foresight and the courage to support this project. And um, it's at the corner of Victoria Street and Flinders Street opposite the old Melbourne. Uh.
7: Like in Canada and in Australia, they cannot discharge tailings directly into the riverways. But in Pogra they discharge their tailings in the waterways and they kill us and they say, it's OK, you are just being killed for trespassing.
3: Subscribe to 3CR, bringing you voices and opinions the mainstream media don't dare touch.
0: They have the exclusive right to extract the mineral below six feet, but that exclusive right does not permit them also to kill people. Who does the killing?
7: The company has a specially arranged security forces.
3: Subscribe today. Call nine four one nine eight three double 7, seven. Okay,
2: so there's a film screening. Don't, we don't need a map on the 26th of January to the 6th of Feb an eye opening lesson of the world about the proud history and ongoing racial tensions um, now currently from the crux of Australian experience, the filmmaker Warwick Thornton investigates the relationship to the Southern cross, so it 's at ICME, Um so if you look it up in your cinema type, um, website you'll find it Mrs. Google okay. will tell you yeah I know it's, <laughs> everything's google isn 't it okay now we 're going on to the last interview for the morning. And, Mary, you can introduce... Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So
3: our next guest is Dennis O'Connell. He is president of Friends of Banuel, which is a council in um, the northeast. And uh, Friends of Banuel is a group that is campaigning against proposed North East link. Hello, Dennis. Are you there?
7: Yes, I am, Mary.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Yes. And thank you
2: for um, offering your time to to speak with 3CR, Dennis. That's Lali.
3: Yes, me, Lali. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we might both be um, asking you questions. Okay, so Dennis, do you want to um, give us a bit of explanation about why Friends of Banyol is campaigning against this wonderful idea of a North East Link? Um, yes, we um, uh,
7: oppose North East Link... Um, because uh, we don't think uh, building another freeway is a solution to um, addressing congestion in Melbourne, we think that um, toll roads are not the answer. Um, freeways effectively induce traffic, and a couple of years down the track, you're back where you started. You need to build another one because they quickly fill fill up and um, become congested, and you're back where you started. So it's um, something we think that requires a, a broader approach, uh, a holistic approach, um, which includes public transport, and um, we think until governments take a uh, wider, more um, strategic
3: view, we'll just keep building these uh, toll roads. And um, this proposed – I was being sarcastic when I said wonderful um, North Link, because I'm <laughs> I opposed to it as well, of course <laughs> – um, uh, and the destruction that it's going to cause. Can you elaborate a little bit about that, please?
7: Uh, yes, I can. Um, the um, uh, current proposed route, uh, option A, through banure, which um, um, comes from the M80 ring road at Greensboro and turns south and heads down through um, Greensboro, Yolambi down past uh, Simpson Army Barracks, um, down through Banyule Flats um, and um, through the conservation area of um, Banyule Flats, Waringal Park, um, across Manningham Road into Bolan, Bolan, Billabong, affecting Heidi Gallery on the way, and then um, a number of uh, schools um, and um, down uh, past the Veneto Club and joining the Eastern Freeway at its most congested point. Um, at um, at Bulleen Road. Now, in that corridor, there are 11 schools altogether, five primary schools, a number of sports ovals, um, and other um, uh, public assets which will be um, negatively um, impacted. Um, and there are more uh, assets in this corridor which will be negatively impacted than there would have been in the other corridors had it uh, not gone through. Um, through this particular route.
3: But I understand that Friends of Banuel oppose all of the options that um, were proposed. Is that correct?
7: Uh, that is, yes. Yes. We think that um, basically just continually building more freeways is uh, a 1960s solution to a 21st century problem. And um, if you don't take a comprehensive approach um, which would include, in our view, uh, for example, Doncaster Rail Airport link, duplication of the Hurst Bridge line, upgraded bus fleet, preferably electric, and, um the uh, integration of train and rail timetables and a holistic approach, which is what most, um uh, cities in the OECD, uh, take rather than, um going back to this uh, Los Angeles solution which really um, doesn't um, get us anywhere and um, means that we're going to be continually doing this and most of our our, uh, major roads are going to be told and we're pretty um, certain that the Eastern Freeway will be told as part of this proposal.
3: What's been the community response?
7: Well, um, at uh, the various um, meetings we've had, there have been a number of town hall meetings um, Uh, since August in 2017 when um, the government announced that it was going to proceed with North East Link, uh, most of the major um, councils affected and that includes um, Banyal, Manningham, Borundara and Yarra and then as you go along, Ness and Freeray, a number of others, but those major councils had town hall meetings uh, which... um, were were um, capacity meetings uh, usually um filling their um uh, town halls and various other venues with a very large numbers of people who turned out and were very largely opposed to um the freeway proposal
3: and very angry weren't they
7: <laughs> <laughs> indeed they were there was a lot of um anger directed at uh, North east link Authority in the other at um, the uh, proposals and the effect on um, communities in the corridor.
2: So does the community have an alternative proposal to this um, plan?
7: Well um, certainly uh, Friends of Van Uyl, uh, uh, do and uh, as do other um, groups with whom we've worked um, Friends of the Earth and uh, other groups um, who um, are campaigning for uh better public transport and uh, some people say oh well that's great you know if <laughs> it's, uh, you have better public transport i don't uh, um take the train i'm a trader i i've, I've you know i need to commute by car." we say well the roads would be less congested and you'd have less people on them if indeed you um <clears throat> uh you actually spent some serious money on a holistic approach and um some public transport projects such as the ones that uh, I mentioned. Um, a good example is um, at a recent meeting, somebody uh, indicated that um, around the Christmas period it was, a, um, uh, it was such a refreshing change on the roads to so little traffic. Yeah. And um, the point of that was um, if indeed you spent some serious money on public transport and gave people an option to actually get off the roads, you could potentially have um, um, a situation like that or certainly one that would be a great deal better than what you have now, which is just um, ever-increasing congestion, which uh, will continue if we uh, take this uh, short-sighted approach.
3: Well, as a resident of Manningham, I, I personally experience the lack of choice that Manningham residents have. We don't, all we have is buses. There's no trains, there's no trams. It's the only metropolitan region without a tram or train line. And there's constantly articles in the local paper, as you probably also know, Dennis, about how um, crowded the buses are, how poor the, the bus services are, there's not enough buses, uh, buses, <laughs> buses. <laughs> um, So you're not giving people a choice, so they have to use their cars, whereas if we had a choice, I know I, for one, would much prefer to uh, travel on public transport, avoid the stress of um, uh, dealing with other car drivers and peak hour traffic. Um, You can read. If you're on public transport, you can knit or do puzzles or whatever. It's, um, I think, a much better Option, if if we had that choice.
7: If you had the option, yeah. Manningham's a good example, Mary. I think that uh, it's pretty much a public transport free zone. It does have buses, um, but the buses are really the um, uh, the only option. Uh, it's one of the few um, municipalities in Melbourne without surface rail and um people really uh, don't have the option and the frustrating thing is that the eastern freeway was built with a wide median down the centre to accommodate rail yes. um when it was originally um uh, built um, um and uh, various attempts to actually get um a um uh, a medium uh, rail um up has uh, fallen on um you know deaf ears of uh, you know government who continually say there are there are issues um you know the gradient to doncaster hill is too steep or the connection to clifton hill would be too difficult i mean for god's sake this is um a, a project that is feasible and could be done there's always a light rail option um as well which could connect with the um, existing tram uh, network um and um uh, seamlessly provide a um an ability to get into the city other than uh, as you say by uh, by car in um in the city of manningham um manningham uh, council as uh banuel and um uh, yarra and uh, borundara have also come out against um uh, this proposal and um certainly i think uh, that uh, municipality deserves um, better um, mm. you know we can't have a major um, uh, municipality in the city uh, this close to the city uh, without um, the public transport options that other people in Melbourne enjoy
3: mm. and, and in particular all the, the um, three-storey or or much higher buildings that are being built at the moment to accommodate um, a growing population but you're but so, what you're giving them is the choice of more traffic on the road, that's
7: it. Yes, basically, if you're going to um, consolidate um, uh, development and have in, increased urban density, um, you need public transport to, to go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what most uh, major cities in the OECD and in uh, Asia and throughout the world actually have, they uh, have integrated systems. Um, have uh, denser urban development which um, depending on how it's done um, can be a good or a bad thing but in general terms that's where we're going. Our cities are um, becoming uh, more densely populated and uh, with that you need the necessary infrastructure to make that work.
1: I know because... And
7: here in Melbourne we're not doing that. We're taking a short term view and allowing uh, tall road providers and the road mm. lobby and mm. various other interests um, whose interests might not accord with um, what's uh, necessarily best for the public uh, dictating policy, it would appear. Um, I think Westgate Tunnel is uh, a good example of that. Yes. And that will uh, largely benefit the toll road provider um, Mm. transfer, but it certainly won't uh, benefit the uh, the
2: public. Mm. And this is obviously a state government project, uh, Dennis. Is there any negotiations going on at all, or they're just doing it unilaterally?
7: Well, uh, they've had um, uh, uh, public engagement uh, uh, sessions. Uh, this is North East Link Authority, NILA. Um And um, we've uh, had uh, specific one-on-one meetings with them. They've met with uh, various councils. Um, um, and uh, so there has been supposed um, consultation going on, but uh, it's less consultation in our view on more of a a sales pitch. Uh, The government um, uh, clearly even before a a route was chosen between August and um, November last year um, had um, in our view already made up their mind and this public so-called public engagement exercise was um, very largely um, a a, a sham (laughs) and turned out to be a Mm. sales job uh, largely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a real, so, real
3: pity. F- are there activities coming up that people um, who might be interested in getting involved in the campaign that you that that are planned?
7: Um, there's various activities that are being planned um, by um, various uh, groups and organisations. Um, um, there's uh, a, a public transport uh, uh, network. Um, uh, a forum, um, on, um, this weekend, I think being, um, it's on Saturday being run by, uh, uh, Friends of the Earth Sustainable Cities, I think. Um, there's a number of other, uh, workshops. There's a, um, public forum, um, which, uh, Samantha Dunn, um, Greens Upper House MP for, um, the Eastern Region is, um, holding at, uh, uh, Eltham, over um, uh, the next month or so. Um, and uh, we'll be holding various um, meetings and, and so forth and forums ourselves um, uh, in conjunction with the groups with whom we're working, including um, uh, Say No to North East Link um, down in Borondara, who had... Um, a, uh, a barbecue picnic uh, which was attended by a couple of thousand people in um, in 2017, in um, uh, October, November I think it was, it was late uh, last year, and uh, down in Coonan Creek uh, Park, and uh, it was a huge turnout, um, so that was a, a really good um, uh, event, and there will be other events like that uh, in 2018. Um, throughout the year, because we intend to run, we intend to make this an election issue, and um, to run this all the way up to the election in November uh, this year.
3: Okay, Dennis, I think we're going to have to stop there. Um, thank you so much for um, giving us your time this morning, and um, perhaps we'll speak again sometime in the future.
7: Oh, I'd love to. Do that. That'd be really good. A pleasure, Mary. Really good talking to you. Okay, thanks, thanks
3: Dennis. Yep, bye.
2: Sorry about that. I just cut him off. Just was saying thank you. <laughs> anyway, so that brings us to the end of the program. And um, I hope listeners will forgive us for all the technical glitches because I was running back and forth at two studios trying to get the technical stuff right. Um, and thanks, Mary, for joining me for after such a long time.
3: Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure being <laughs> back, but a bit rusty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel a bit rusty. I've been away just a couple of months, and I feel, hmm, I need to get used to the panels again. Yes. Anyway, I'm sure the listeners um, will find themselves to, to forgive us for the mistakes, um, technical mistakes we faced. Um, so let's thank the... Um, people who offered their time this morning for the interview, and that was Anas, Elwakil, Nawal, and she she never gave me her surname. Um, And, of course, Mahmoud, who's from the the Kurdish community, and Dennis.
3: Dennis Iconov from Friends of Banyol.
2: Yes. um, So we've had a a complete interview-laden program this morning. I hope um, listeners enjoyed the program. So let's go out with um, the outro. And of course, you've been listening to 3CI and Green Left Weekly Radio. We didn't get to announce it. We were so busy organizing interviews. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, have a good day, listeners. And uh, Green Left Weekly will be back on deck fully um, next Friday.
0: Okay. Good. good morning.
2: Bye.
3: Bye.
0: This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio. Brought to you by the Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which provides a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment first. If you would like to subscribe to the newspaper and get it delivered to your door, you can do so by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1800 634 206 For new subscribers, it is only $10 for the first six issues. Three piece of the show... And interviews are podcasts on our homepage on the 3CR website. Thank you for listening. You are tuned into 3CR Community Radio, 855 Digital on the AM Dial and streaming live on 3cr.org.au